Welcome again to Ask. I'm Pastor Jamie at Cornerstone Church. Today, our Old Testament prophecies for us today. Uh, And also, uh, what about pronouns after our name? Is that something that we should be concerned about? We'll talk about it on Ask. Welcome once again, this is uh, Ask, and uh, we, we answer your questions about the Bible or about life or faith. Um, go to cornerstonebv.org, uh, hit the media page, and then the drop down, you hit Ask, and you can ask a question. You can leave your name or not. Um, we definitely need your questions. We're getting a little low on them, so if you're like, oh, I always wanted to know that, here's your opportunity. Throw it, at, throw it at us, and we'll knock it out of the park. All right, or at least hit a single. We'll see what we can do. Um, sacrifice bunt? I don't know. All right, so our Old Testament promises just for that time period, only for the Jewish people, or do they still hold for today? And they gave it a great example from, example from 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so the question is, when you read something like that now as a Christian, we don't live in Israel, we're not in the physical promised land, we look forward to the, to the to new heaven, a new earth, right? The, the, the spiritual Israel, the spiritual promised land. Um, so how do we, what do we even do with a verse like that? It's a great question. It's probably far more complex than I'm going to be able to treat it on ask. Um, but it, it really is. People, uh, the, the idea of church in Israel is a huge topic, one that I'm not going to deal with here. Uh, maybe you could see if Pastor Bob will do it on wisdom. Um, uh, A28, you know, there's some that believe that Israel, that church has, has replaced Israel, so all the promise of Israel, now promise of church. Uh, others believe they're still distinct and all that. So it kind of depends on where you fall with that. But I still think, as you read, whatever, wherever you fall with that, as you read Old Testament promises, um, you have to do what I compel us to do all the time anyway. You have to look at context. Context is everything, right? So important to understanding this. Because when you read a verse, for instance, the verse they, they gave us, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Now, the, the idea of God healing the land is very specific to Israel, right? So I don't think we can claim that, at least specifically. But how about the rest of it? So what you want to look behind it is, okay, what part of what this promise is, is just for Israel. And that's probably not for me. But what is the principle behind the promise? Because God is unchanging. So when he says, if my people are called by my name, if you're a Christian, that's you, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So if you live a life of repentance and seeking God, right, humbling yourself before him, his character is such as he will hear your prayer and he will majorly bless your life. Maybe not in the ways that you expect or want, but he will do that. Um, and if you were to say, well, so, cause I know some Americans will try to say, well, he's gonna heal America. We're not Israel, right? However, the principle still applies. I don't think it's gonna happen, but you never know. Revival might break out. If in general, our leaders and our country were to repent, repent before God, I think there would be major blessings that would come from that. There always is, just often, won't happen, right? Um, and, and so you have to look at, at the context. If this, um, if, is this a promise just for the land of Israel and the people of Israel, or is this a promise given that's really looking to the end? Then you can look at that as part of you, like end times, which is in the Old Testament as well, looking at when uh, uh, the, the Lord um, kind of ends all things and, and uh, 
uh, everything comes to a culmination of its promise, then you can, you can claim that. But even if it's just to Israel, look at the principle behind it. What does this say about God? And what does this say about what, he, what kind of behavior he's looking for from his people? And I still think there's a lot to, to be gained by reading that and, and looking at that. But yeah, not every single promise to Israel should be adopted by us, I don't believe. Okay, great question. Uh, second, how should a Christian react to the big push right now to put your pronouns under your name, like in LinkedIn, etc.? So LinkedIn, of course, is a social media site mainly for businesses, and that's kind of pushed now to put your pronouns. I talk to people, um, I'm obviously not in the business world uh, right now, uh, and, and so I'm not, I have to hear secondhand. This has become a very big push with companies saying you need to put your pronouns or we really highly suggest you put your pronouns under your name, especially when you're signing your name, sending emails, or if you're on a Zoom call or some kind of teleconference that people know your pronouns. Meaning, of course, he, she, they, you know, all of this, this whole thing. Um, how should we react to this? Well, we always want to react in love. We're not angry, Bible-thumping jerks to people. We have to understand what's really behind the source of this, and it's satanic. Um, and I'm not saying everyone's demonically possessed. I'm just saying the push behind this is satanic, and so our anger should be at the real enemy, not at the people who are confused by this. And that's what this is. It's a major confusion. It's really just the next step to what's already been going on, right? The, the, the confusion over uh, sexuality, the confusion over marriage, and now the confusion over gender. It, it's really taking what has been accepted practice and understanding um, and throwing it all out the window because we're in, living in a postmodern world where there's no such thing as objective truth, um, which in of itself is crazy because how's that true? You can't tell me it's true because if I don't think it's true, then it's not, right? At some point, we have to accept somebody's truth, right? If somebody says to me, hey, you have to start um, believing that a, a woman is a man or a man is a woman, and I say, well, that's not true to me. How do they yell at me? But they still do. None of it makes sense, right? Here's what's happened since this all, really since the beginning, um, is, is we're now saying it's okay to trust your heart, meaning your feelings. Your feelings are validated. They're good. They're okay. As a Christian, we want to look at this biblically. I can give you a lot of verses. Let me just give you a couple. Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. What did Jesus say? Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, right? The point is the heart in the fallen man is in our sinful state is not to be trusted. Just the opposite is why we need biblical truth. It's objective, it's God's truth, and we measure our heart against it and say, boy, I'm a mess. I need more of God, less of me. We now live in a culture that has said, no, 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 no. The answer's within you. You can run with it. Whatever you say is okay. And at first, maybe, it, because whenever you slide down that slippery slope, it's at first not that big of a deal, but it makes sense that eventually you're gonna to get to the point where no, nobody has any truth anywhere, so now we just all have to accept anything anybody says. I'm a duck, I'm a dog, I'm a person, I'm a cloud. Like, who are you to tell me I'm not? Because we have gone down that slippery slope, right? So as Christians, again, with kindness and love, we still must, must stand on the truth and the truth of the Word of God, and, that, and that's what we do. And uh, that don't get us in trouble with society, it always has but God's bigger than that and trust him, okay? Um, all right, lastly, real quick, we don't have a lot of time, but it says, hello, hello. 
In numerous verses in the Bible, it states to drop to your knees and pray to God, so to speak. Is it okay not to drop to your knees? Is it disobedience not to kneel? Um, no. Uh, well, let me just give you Matthew 11. Uh, this is Jesus. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So what does he say in that? When you're standing praying. In fact, if you look at scriptures, even Jesus' own life, lying prostrate before God, lying down, standing, kneeling, right? Like, and I would say that in your own life, you could be driving and praying to God. It's communicating to God. There is, uh, the, the thing that God is worried about in prayer is your heart, right? If you're mumbling and bumbling through words, whether you're kneeling or standing or flying an airplane, not gonna do much for God. He wants your genuine heart, what you really feel, what you really think. He knows anyway. So that's the most important, the posture of your heart. I think kneeling can be great because your physical posture can let your spiritual posture out. I am before God, I am humble before him and I need to kneel to do that. But if you're kneeling to show off to people, well, there you, that's the exact opposite of what your heart really is, it's prideful. So, okay, hopefully that helps. Uh, it's been great, hopefully you'll see you this weekend, either five on Saturday, nine or 11 on Sunday. Uh, join one of our small groups, come see us. Uh, check out Ask uh, ne this week, next week, every week. Go, go back and look at all the old episodes. Tell me how awesome Ask is or criticize it. Whatever you want to do. I'm not listening anyway. All right. See you later. Bye.